Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Carlita, and I am on the phone with Carrie Crucial Brothers. What's going on today, Carrie? Chilling, chilling. Lab working on a few things. What does the lab look like? What the lab look like? Mm-hmm. Like speakers and drum machines and keyboards and mixers and microphones. Oh, my. <laughs> is it like a man cave? Exactly. It's like a man cave. It's like dark and dank. Oh, no. It's a little vibey. I got Christmas lights on and little mood lights, you know, set, set a different tone depending on how I'm feeling. Yeah, so there's candles. Yeah, there's candles, and I, I'm fortunate enough to have a window, so I get daylight. You know, I just <laughs> like to know if it's night or day, because sometimes you do get lost. Right. Yeah, so you, you go outside for air once in a while. Yeah, I go outside to bake a little bit, you know. It's hot. <laughs> it's hot out there right now. Yeah, yeah. So, did you grow up in a musical household? Um, pretty much, pretty much. I mean... Of course, I didn't notice at first. I mean, my parents were very big collectors of records. And, you know, we had a, always had a guitar hanging around in the house or some bongos or kungas. And it wasn't something that was, like, obvious because um, I didn't even know my father was a percussionist until later in life. And they also took their hand in managing artists. So I kind of, like, paid attention, but not really. I was more into the records because I was really loved all the album covers and just being a kid laying on the floor watching TV with all these album covers in front of you always grabbed my attention. Mm -hmm. Were there particular albums that stuck out? Oh, yeah, like War had a cover, all the Funkadelic covers. I mean, I mean, just about all of them. I mean, people went all out with covers now. I know. No, that's like a forgotten art form now with everything being streaming and downloading. But, right. you know, it was it was like art and Earth, Wind & Fire covers were amazing. Or, you know, seeing mm -hmm. Egypt and like all those things. I did so many of the names. It's just, like I said, those times, that was part of the package, putting art on the cover right. or vinyl, which was like, I don't know, 12 by 12 or something. Mm -hmm. It was square. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a lost art now. So, was there Prince or Michael Jackson playing? Oh, of course. Of course. Jackson started from Jackson 5 in the Jacksons. Like, I was a big, like, that's probably was my first musical hero, Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. Then get into Prince later on in life. Mm. Michael Jackson, you know, him being young and with the high voice and so much passion and just, you know... We had, uh, my family had the uh, Motown Christmas album. Mm. I always loved, like, all the, all the Jackson 5 songs and the Stevie Wonder song, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. My father was a big fan of Temptations, and my mother was a big fan of Marvin Gaye, so Motown was a big influence musically and um, business-wise. You know, like, like I said, growing up, you didn't know so much about what you were listening to, and I didn't realize they were a black-owned company, which... Mm -hmm. later gave me, you know, some direction of what I wanted to do. Right. Yeah, that's true. I think I had that Christmas album, like, with Stevie Wonder. He sings Ave Maria on it. Oh, yes. I love that one. Yeah, and Give Love on Christmas Day. Yeah, every Christmas, absolutely, we always break out that album. Exactly. I got my, I got my youngest on uh, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus now. <laughs> I hear that even in summer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's summer. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, when did you start to play music? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a funny story, because um, I wouldn't call myself a musician in, in, in the real sense of the um, musicianship, because I respect the art so much to not even, you know, insult people with what I do, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. But basically, you know, I had this thing I wanted to... I was always into drums. Drums was my thing. And um, in junior high school, I took a little class of drumming, Plus, my parents didn't want to buy me drums, too much noise. And then this little drum machine came out back in the 80s called Sasonic Drums. And I uh, begged my father to get it for me for Christmas. And when Christmas came, he bought me a keyboard. <laughs> he said, you're going to learn a real instrument. And I was just so heartbroken. But, you know, I started taking a little piano lessons for a year. And I guess subconsciously I was rebelling because I wanted a drum machine because at this time, you know, at age nine, I fell in love with hip-hop and I just wanted to make beats. I wanted to make beats right. so I can rap on. Right. You can't make beats with rap on with a keyboard. You know, design, though, you know? Right. Good. So I took a little things here and there, but I really started when I finally got a sampler and um, just started trying to make the beats I would hear late night on rap shows or just everywhere I went around the town and from that I kind of started getting more into learning how to play little keyboard parts just to get the song across just to get the idea down mm. so, and that's where I kind of started I'm a very very sample based you know with the primitive samples you know what I mean mm -hmm. that's 950 and the SB-1200, moved over to the MPC-3000. You know, this is all before Pro Tools, and, you know, mm -hmm. from there I just kept going on. And I was always fortunate to always know a musician or two who would come and play on top of the beats or over the beats or with me. So that's how I kind of started doing music. Even that is like I literally started doing beats just for me to rap on, not, not to do for other people or you know, make records. It was just like something to do so I can have something to rap on because I, I did have a early partner who did all the beats for me. And then um, when I couldn't get a hold of him, I said, man, I got to start learning how to do these myself so I don't have to wait on anybody. Mm -hmm. so that was like my, my start. So can you remember the first song that you officially produced and rapped on? Uh, probably this song called Who Am I? Probably, like, <laughs> it's like just my little introduction and stuff. Um, I probably wrote it at, uh, you know, 16, 17. Mm -hmm. And I actually did a video for it because I had a friend who went to Pratt Institute and they could do a video for their uh, class project. So, oh, so it was serious. Really resourcing people. <laughs> and, um, mm -hmm. You know, I was like 17. My partner was 16. Um, I, you know, at that time I used to always like look at the rap albums or, and look at like where the office was and Mike told me that B-Boy Records was looking for artists. So I looked on the back of the album, you know, I was a big fan of BDP and Karis One mm -hmm. and I rode all the way to the Bronx on the train from Far Rockaway, Queens wow. with my, with my demo on cassette and a video on VHS. And me and my partner, we got the deal the same day. Wow. Like, you guys got a video? <laughs> that was what brought you over the top there. 
<laughs> so what kind of look were you rocking back then? It was, it was more like, you know, what the weather style was. I had like, I don't remember what those jackets were called anymore. I had some kind of, some kind of colorful ass jacket. I had some starter jacket. You know what I mean? I had a pair of Ewins on, you know, <laughs> orange and, you know, white mm -hmm. and I, I, man, what kind of, it wasn't, it wasn't the, uh, wasn't a bubble goose. It was some, some kind of goose something. Actually, oh, triple fat goose? I do remember that. <laughs> I don't remember what jacket. I had, you know, my flat top going on, you know what I mean? I had to have a flat top back then. Like Big Daddy Kane? Big Daddy Kane, uh, yeah, I probably was across between Kane, Public Enemy, and like, Fresh Prince or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like a little all that mixed together. <laughs> so then what happened? Well, you know, basically, it, you know, we worked on an album. I mean, we, we, did, we did one record, and one day we came into the office, and the record label guy was like, hey, we got a manager for you. And, you know, just like any other kid, we signed the contract as is. Yeah. He was like, we're just going to get on. We, once we blow up, we can fix it later. Right. And then they come in like, well, we have a manager for you. And and I was like, all right, we know we're dumb enough for signing the record contract, but we can't let you uh, give us a manager, too. Right. They were like, oh, no problem, no problem. And pretty much threw us on the shelf, trying to, you know, see if we was going to hold out and give in. After that, that's when, like I said, my partner had said, okay, I'm done with hip-hop. I'm not doing this anymore. And then, you know, I just kept trying to do other things independently. And, and that kind of led me into... Uh, getting more into engineering and understanding what I was doing um, because there was a studio that we had access to in the Bronx that the label used to always put us in and I was basically like there at everything engineer did and just like learn everything I could to run a session myself and learn different things and I had a girlfriend at the time that worked for a booking agency I think it was Norby Walters back then mm. And she said, we, we get calls all the time for a studio, and this is not, this is a touring company. Why are people calling for the studio? And I just had the brilliant idea, like, give me the number. I got a studio. <laughs> you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. to go my way into getting some of that traffic to be my clients for the studio, and, and that's how I pretty much learned how to engineer and stuff. Nice. And, you know, just, just mastering my craft and learning more, and then, you know, at New York, Back in the late 80s, early 90s, especially early 90s, you could find any any cipher, any kind of open mic, any kind of like, you know, mixtape being made. You know, I, I, I was, there was like some open mic or some event. So you would either find me like freestyling in Washington Square Park with somebody or up in Harlem at, um, you know, Rock and Will in the back of a record store getting on a mixtape with all the uptown cats. It was just like, that's pretty much what kept me going. And, you know, as they say, the, the story goes on, and then one of the people I met down in Washington Square Park was a young girl by the name of Alicia. 